Hello and welcome to Young Black and Opinionated to new listeners and welcome back to returning listeners. I am your host, Christina Royster. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening. You can leave me a five-star rating if you like what you hear and a review is always appreciated as well. Follow the podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the YBO Podcast. On today's episode, I have a couple pop culture things to share, but most importantly, we have to get into that Megan, Harry, and Oprah interview. So stay tuned. First and foremost, you know we have to start with Put Y'all On. This is the segment of the show where I tell you guys my favorite thing of the week. It could be a movie, a song, a food, whatever. And this week, definitely have to put y'all on to a movie. So as you probably know from listening to the episodes, I told you guys that I'm trying to like be more cultured and like step out of my comfort zone and listen to and watch like more international things. So I saw a movie on Netflix. It was kind of a, I would call it a suspense thriller. It it wasn't so much horror, but there definitely was some action and killing involved. And so I watched this movie called Below Zero on Netflix. I think it came out in 2021, so it is new, but it's Spanish. It is predominantly in Spanish, but I watched it with the English subtitles and the English audio. So (laughs) I guess I'm not that cultured yet, but I just wanted to give something new a try and it was really, really good. Basically, the premise of this movie is that a prisoner transfer van gets attacked and it's below zero outside. So they're freezing and all types of mayhem happens. So if you're into action movies, definitely give this a watch. It's called Below Zero on Netflix. Speaking of what I've been watching, I wasn't going to share this, but I just remembered like, you know, like when you're just browsing and you're like, let me just watch the first thing that comes up. Like, so, I mean, most of the time I really like hand pick and curate what I watch on streaming services. But recently I was just like, whatever, like, let's just pick something. So me and my boyfriend started this movie called Light It Up. It's from 1999. It's a teen drama starring Usher, Rosario Dawson, Forrest Whitaker. Like you would think that this would be a good movie. I didn't finish it. And maybe it is a good movie. Mm, I'm looking at it now. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, from it just seems like corny to me, but we didn't finish it. Maybe I should give it another try. But basically these high school students are like fed up with their school's poor conditions. So they um, take the principal hostage or something like that. I I didn't even finish it, but it was just interesting to see Usher acting because we always think of Usher as a performer, as a musical artist. But, you know, rewatching some of these shows from the 90s, like Moesha, Sister, Sister, Usher has some acting chops. Usher has definitely been in a lot of films and TV shows. So shout out to Usher. Um, that was not part of my agenda today. (laughs) I want to talk about first, let's talk about music. Let's talk a little bit about music. Cardi B's Bodak Yellow is now certified diamond. So let me just read you guys a little bit from Billboard. It says that the New York native is the first female rapper to achieve a diamond single Um, this is according to the Recording Industry Association of America, meaning Bodak Yellow has moved 10 million units. And as of this week, her song WAP featuring Megan Thee Stallion is actually halfway there because that song is already five times multi-platinum. So this is a huge win for women, for women in hip hop. 
and for Cardi B. So congratulations, Cardi B. Like that is definitely one of the songs that defines the culture that kind of that's kind of a benchmark for me at least that song came out when I was in college it was the song of the summer I still know every word so shout out to Cardi B like I I keep saying you know we're waiting on Cardi for that album that that um single she gave us up is pretty good so we'll sit on that for now but um same thing as Drake. I didn't get to talk about it last week because I put out the episode right before Drake dropped some music. So we can briefly talk about Scary Hours too. All in all, overall, cute little three-song EP. My favorite song would have to be Lemon Pepper Freestyle. Who? Uh, what's that song called? Not Who's Next. What's Next? That's obviously going to be a little TikTok radio chart topper. Um, I already forgot the name of the other song. Once and Needs. All good, all good songs, but I feel like Lemon Pepper Freestyle really took me back to like that original Drake sound that I like. I like the Drake that's kind of like a mix of R&B and hip hop. Sometimes he takes it all the way R&B and sometimes he takes it all the way hip hop, but this was kind of like that sing song rap voice where he kind of just like talks over the beat. So that's really my favorite style of Drake. So uh, it's not certified Loverboy 2. Or not to certified lover boy, but we will just take it for now. And um, while we're talking about musical artists, Swizz Beats and Timbaland have sold verses. So wow, that didn't last long, huh? Timbaland and Ver- Timbaland and Swizz Beats. You know they started the verse the verses thing on Instagram over the pandemic, and it has just completely taken over the internet. Um, you know, they've had sponsorships with Ciroc and Apple Music. And so I'll read you guys a little quick thing from Rolling Stone. It says, Triller Network, who owns TikTok and... Oh, no, I'm sorry. They don't own TikTok. They own Triller, which is a competitor to TikTok. Triller Network has purchased Timbaland and Swizz Beats founded live streaming song battle franchise Versus. So, of course, they didn't tell us for how much. I'm sure it was a lot of money. But... The two, Timbaland and Swizz, will now become brand visionaries, they're calling it, on the Triller versus management team. So, oh, it also says the, the two producers are now shareholders in Triller and they're giving part of their equity to all 43 performers who've played on Versus. That's what's up. That's what's up. I feel like Versus has also kind of given some older artist another chance at the spotlight like brandy monica nobody was really talking about them i mean of course they're like legends but nobody was really talking about them until that versus or keisha cole like where's she been at before versus so it's great that they put a lot of people on um now let's talk a little bit about media so teen vogue if you guys didn't know teen vogue has for the past couple years really switched their coverage not switched but they really leaned into covering, you know, political and social issues at Teen Vogue. It's not just a fashion magazine anymore. So they recently hired a new editor in chief. This I can I can tell you exactly how this played out. First, I go on LinkedIn and all I saw was like new editor in chief at Teen Vogue. And it was a young woman of color. She looked maybe mixed. She looked like maybe she could be half black. So when I saw that on LinkedIn, I did not do my research. I did not look into it. All I thought to myself was, oh, cool, woman of color. And um, then <laughs> some of my coworkers, because, you know, I work at a media company, some of my coworkers started to, you know, tell me about this woman. And then I realized, like, oh, she's a little more problematic than I thought. And, you know, that just brings me to the whole, you know, not all skin folk are kin folk. 
Just because this woman is brown, I was ready to celebrate her. But then I found out some of her actions and I was ready to cancel her. And, you know, cancel culture. I don't really know the girl like that, so I can't just cancel her. But I will say it is very problematic. So this is what's going on at Teen Vogue. They announced Alexi McCandon, McCammond, Alexi McCammond. I'll be having so much trouble with last names. Alexi is a 27-year-old who has been tapped to lead the magazine. Now, number one, she comes from like a political reporter background. So a lot of people are asking like, why would you make this person who's clearly unqualified, the editor-in-chief of a fashion magazine? That's strike number one. Was she a token hire? Was she a diversity hire? I don't know. But if somebody's not qualified for the job, it looks weird. Then number two, um, she, this is obviously the most important part. She had some tweets that were like anti-Asian in 2011. Okay. 10 years later, what, what have we talked about on the podcast? Everything you put on social media comes back to you. I hope nobody ever reads my old tweets because I don't even remember what I was saying 10 years ago on Twitter, but she had some tweets that were like, Oh, waking up with like swollen Asian eyes. She said, outdone by an Asian, what's new? Now Googling how to not wake up with swollen Asian eyes. Give me a 10 out of, give me a two out of 10 on my Kim problem. Cross out all of my work and don't explain what I did wrong. Thanks a lot, stupid Asian TA. These are her tweets from 2011. So, uh, long story short, the staffers, the people who work at Teen Vogue, wrote a letter, everybody signed it, and they all said, we do not want this woman to be our boss. We do not want her to be our editor in chief. Well, Condé Nast, who owns Teen Vogue, basically put out a statement and was like, um, yeah, we basically uh, hear what you're saying, but uh, respectfully, we don't care. <laughs> and you can read the letter for yourself. You know, that's not exactly what they said. I'm just paraphrasing. But um, oh, here's exactly what they said. I'll read to you exactly what they said. They said, we've heard the concerns of our readers and we stand with you. In a moment of historically high anti-Asian violence and amid the ongoing struggles of the LGBTQ community, we as the staff... Oh, no, this is what the staff said. So the staff was like, hey, we hear you. We don't like her either. And then Condé uh, Nast was basically like, we can't wait to get started with our new editor-in-chief. So there's some other issues as well, like the fact that her boyfriend... Um, here, I'll read you guys what the New York Post says. She was recently embroiled in a media scandal involving the Biden administration after her boyfriend, a White House deputy press secretary, threatened a political reporter looking to expose their relationship. He ultimately resigned. So her boyfriend is also misogynistic, has been heard and seen yelling at women, just awful stuff. So this is why, like, I want to champion, like, oh, I'm rooting for everybody black, but, like, I can't root for everybody black. If you are problematic, I'm not rooting for you. So we'll see what happens with this girl's career. I, I thought to myself, like, number one, if she were to get fired and not even get the start, where else is she going to work? Who else is going to take her? And number two, okay, so you do get to keep the job. You're going to be editor-in-chief at Teen Vogue. Like, nobody likes you there. So it must be pretty hard to do your job when you're in all this drama and nobody likes you. So good luck to Alexi. Uh, you guys can def, there's way more to the story. You guys can go ahead and read all about it. But if you care anything about media, definitely take a look at that because, you know, it's interesting. Like nobody ever really knows like who's behind the scenes at a magazine, you know, like, um, I just am so fortunate to work at a media company where I haven't had to deal with this. Huffington Post just laid off like 40 employees. 
So I'm truly blessed to keep my job in a pandemic and actually like our editor in chief because this is a mess. Um, <laughs> all right. So, you know, speaking of black women, mixed race women, let's get into it. Let's get into this Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, Oprah Winfrey interview, shall we? This has been the talk of social media all week. And I don't even know where to start. First of all, um, I'm glad that Oprah clarified that the couple was not paid or did not sign. They, they didn't have any contractual agreement about this interview because I think the first thing that people thought was, oh, they looking for clout. They looking for sympathy. They're not looking for sympathy. They're just trying to tell their story. And it happens to be a very sad story. And they happen to be celebrities. We talked about this last week on the podcast. They happen to be celebrities, but they are people. And we truly forget that. And Meghan Markle, like, makes it more human because of the fact that she wasn't born into royalty. She married into this. She grew up with a black mother. She was an actress and a waitress. She was a regular person. And then she fell in love with the prince. And so, you know, watching this all unfold has been eye-opening. For me personally, I never really followed the royal family or, you know, the royal weddings, anything like that. I don't even think I watched the royal wedding, to be honest. It's just not really my thing. But as Megan said during the interview, we just look at the royal family like celebrities. Like, we have our celebrities in America and people worship them and, you know, follow their every move. But I didn't realize it was not just celebrity status to be in the royal family, but it's truly a job. When she talks about, like, that whole institution and, like, how it's politics. It truly is politics. I guess I always looked at the queen as like a famous like president for the UK, but it's so much deeper than that. And, um, you know, Megan talked about how she didn't really do her research before she married Harry. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to kick somebody while they're down, but that's a problem, Megan. She definitely should have looked deeper into what this would entail. And maybe she would have changed her mind. I'm glad she hasn't changed her mind. I'm glad that she has stayed with Harry and that she truly loves him and they haven't gotten a divorce because stuff like this could really break a marriage, especially family drama. Y'all know my philosophy. You really, really have to choose wisely the family that you are marrying into because holidays, birthdays, just everyday life. You don't want that to be a problem if your significant other's family does not like you. And so it's not that they didn't like her. Let's really break down into it. So first of all, you know, Megan basically opened up and talked about the fact that when she first started dating Harry, I watched the whole interview, by the way, all hour and a half. Uh, you guys can check it out on the CBS app. I watched it for free. So basically from the beginning, you know, everybody was cool. Everybody liked Megan. But I think once she really married Harry and she got pregnant, that's when they really realized like, oh, this is not a fling. And like, she, we really about to have a black person in the Buckingham Palace. <laughs> and I just want to say my piece. I just want to say Meghan Markle is the lightest, lightest of light black women. Meghan Markle is like white passing. So for anybody to even question, oh, how dark is her baby going to be? Like, She's barely even black. Mary Meghan Markle is not even brown skin or dark skin. Imagine if she was. 
all this crap that she's getting and she looks white and has like long straight hair. Imagine if Prince Harry really brought like a dark skin woman with a curly afro into Buckingham Palace. Like she only, I feel like she only got like a little taste of racism. Like imagine if she was really, really black, but uh, we don't need to go into that. But so basically, uh, you know, Megan said that it was the crazy thing is how that rumor got flipped. She said like back in the day, there was a rumor that she made, uh, Kate cry. She did not make Kate cry. Kate made her cry. And the tabloids flipped that honey and they blamed the black woman. It's the same old story. We know the same old song. And I'm sorry that this interview is coming out during women's history month. Cause this just put women all the way down, especially black women. But Megan, when she was sitting up there with Oprah, which by the way, I need more Oprah interviews at all times because Oprah, it just feels like she's just talking to her auntie, you know, like Oprah is just such a great interviewer. And that's really a masterclass in uh, journalism, but you know, that's a different story anyways. So when Megan was talking to Oprah. She was really talking for all black women. Cause this is really how black women feel when we get into any little position of power or whenever we step into spaces that we're not quote unquote supposed to be in. Um, you know, it just feels like you're never good enough. And it's sad because she went on the Australian tour. Everybody loved her shaking hands, kissing babies. She fit right in. And it's just like, no matter what she did, she was just still seen as black. And that's what I'm taking away from this interview. I just really think it's just all about race. And, you know, they kept him hawing at it, but Oprah really got to the point. Oprah was like, do you think this has to do with your race? And she was like, well, could be. No, it's not, it's not could, it is. It, there's really no other reason not to like Megan or to turn on Megan or this is, this is the number one takeaway that everybody's talking about from the interview. The fact that Megan got pregnant with their baby, Archie, she's pregnant again right now, as we speak, they're having a girl. And so when they were pregnant with their first baby, Archie, the institution, now Megan kept calling it the institution. She was not blaming the Royal family. She was not blaming any family members in particular, which me as a viewer, I wanted them to start naming people. I want them to start pointing fingers. Like, let me know who I need to cancel. Is it the queen? Is it Charles? Is it Kate? Let me know because all of them are looking mass us to me right now. But she kept blaming on the institution. And as we know, the institution is this larger than life hierarchy. It's not just the Royal family. It's like every branch of royalty. And so she was saying the institution said, yeah, when your baby's born, he won't have security. He won't have a title. He won't be called Prince. And so she was like, I didn't care about my son not being called a prince, like whatever. Should he, should he get that title because he earned it and was born in it and deserves it? Yes. But she was like, the title was the least of my concerns. Like really, I just want security for my child. Like you're telling me that you're just going to stop security for me and my kids. Like that just showed like they did not care. And you know, the most surprising takeaway from the interview was the fact that Megan said like, she truly felt trapped. She felt like she won. She didn't want to live anymore. She was suicidal. She basically came out and told Oprah like she was suicidal. And that is just so, so sad to me because here's a woman crying out for help and she couldn't get it. She literally told anybody who would listen like, hey, I need help. And they're like, oh, you know, everybody goes through this. The paparazzi and the tabloids, like everybody goes through this. And Megan was like, no, like this is really serious. I'm not myself and I need help. And that's just the story for every black woman, right? Like 
when you know that you need mental health assistance and nobody is willing to give it to you. And so I don't even know what to say about that. I'm so sorry for Megan because she said this was all happening just because I was breathing. We just get this for being black period. And it doesn't end once you marry into the Royal family, it never ends. And it's so disheartening. Um, but you know, Harry has just stuck by her side. He's been such a great husband. Like y'all know, I love me some black men. I'm not going to marry a white man, but Prince Harry definitely is representing the white men, the good white men. Prince Harry is definitely a great example of what a husband should be. He really has chosen his wife over his family and he doesn't want it to be that way. He wants a relationship with his dad. He wants a relationship with his brother. He's trying to work it out, but you can't be the only one. It can't, it has to be 50 50. You can't just be the only one trying to salvage the relationship. And clearly Charles and uh, what's the other boy name? William. They not really put it in the effort. And so Harry and Meghan have relocated to United States. At first when they moved, they had nothing. They, Stayed at Tyler Perry's house, which I didn't know. That was interesting. <laughs> Tyler Perry let them stay at uh, one of his locations in California for a couple months. And um, that's just black people, right? Just black people helping other people. Um, and so now I feel like they really truly are living their truth. They're much happier. You can see it with their little chickens on their little farm. And, you know, Megan said she was watching The Little Mermaid and this cartoon really gave up her voice for the prince and by the end of the movie she got her voice back and so that's how megan feels she feels like she's finally getting her voice back this is exactly what i like about tell-all books and podcasts and documentaries people really finally get to tell their story it's not it's never going to be exactly how you want it if somebody else is telling the story so I'm glad that Megan sat down and said what she had to say. And she didn't drag anybody. She was so poised. She was so classy. She didn't cry or, well, she should be able to cry. First of all, we shouldn't even be judging a woman on if she cried or not. But you know, if she did cry, they would have said something about that too. But the point is she didn't cry. She didn't drag anybody. She didn't get loud or curse. She just said her piece and her husband sat by her side and was like, we are trying to protect our family. And you know, the, this comes back to the whole race thing. The fact that anybody even questioned Archie's skin tone. As I said, Megan is white as can be. Harry is whiter than white. What made y'all think that Archie was going to be dark skinned? Like what even put that fear in y'all heads? Like it's just pure racism. And she didn't say it was a family member who said it. She just said somebody in the institution brought that up. So she said, I lost my dad. I lost a baby, which I didn't know that. I didn't know she yet. She lost a baby had so much loss in her life. And then the icing on the cake is mental health issues because you're literally trapped in a palace for months. Would y'all want to be trapped in a palace? I'll be bored as heck. She said she couldn't even have lunch with her friends. She said that once she married Harry, she had to hand over her passport, cell phone, ID, everything. You're stripped of your identity. It's no longer, I mean, at least she was able to keep her last name. At least she kept that much. Oh my God, because everything else was just totally taken from her. And so, um, you know, this is something that she said about representation because my mom brought up the fact like she could have just left. She could have just divorced him. That would have been bad also. That would have looked really bad. But the fact they truly have stayed together and Harry has stuck by her side over his family, that is real love. And I respect that. And so 
The reason she stuck it out is because representation matters. Megan said growing up as a woman of color, as a little girl of color, I know how important representation is. I know how you want to see someone who looks like you in certain positions. Like she really has a point that means so much. And if baby Archie does get his prince title, then he will be the first mixed race prince of the royal family, I think. So I want to say, you know, keep trucking along and keep, keep, pushing Megan, but I do hope that she does take the time for her mental health because I think she did say she's in therapy now because that's most important. And like I said, when she was speaking, she was really speaking for every black woman because we just have to go through so much. And, um, she said that she just had to learn things on the fly. She had to learn how to curtsy like five minutes before meeting the queen. I would, I, there's too much stress and pressure for one person. I never, ever cared about the Royal family as much as I did this week. So shout out to Meghan Markle and Prince Harry for sitting down with Oprah and having that discussion. Oprah was funny as heck. She didn't hide none of her facial expressions. She was like, what, what, <laughs> who, who said what? Oprah. Oh, we just love Oprah. Oh, and also what I want to point out was Harry said that um, my biggest concern was history repeating itself. We already know what Prince Harry had to go through with losing his mom. You think he wants to lose his wife? So he will stop at nothing to protect this woman. And she said, um, Harry really made a decision that saved her life. When she went to her husband and said, I don't want to live anymore. He saved the both of them. Ugh, I want to cry. That's really that's really what fairy tales are made of. None of this gold and diamonds and mansions and crap. No, we need real love. That's going to stand the mental health breakdowns, the racism, everything. And, um, her, her, this quote really stuck to me. She said, my great, my regret is believing them when they said I will be protected. Mm, mm, mm. Megan Markle and Prince Harry, everybody. That was a crazy interview. Make sure you check it out if you haven't watched it. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks again for listening to Young Black and Opinionated. Make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the YBO Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, leave me a five-star rating, and you can also leave me a review if you like what you hear. You can always follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be around, Miss Chris D, M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E. And I'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.